Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Forging Life Podcast. I am the host, Trey Ryder, and the Forging Life Podcast is about hardships, parenting, entrepreneurship, and the struggles that we deal with every single day. We will have many interviews with special guests, and you can actually see some of these interviews on YouTube, and you can even join the discussion by heading over to Facebook and typing up Forging Life Podcast and join our page. You guys, thank you so much for coming in, and I hope you enjoy season number two of the Forging Life Podcast. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Forging Life Podcast. I am your host, Trey Ryder, and today I have a special guest with me. Her name is Brooke Heim. And she is actually a sexual empowerment and intimacy coach. And she is definitely going to get a lot deeper into what all that is and how it's going to be beneficial to, to you and maybe even your partner in life. So welcome, Brooke. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to be here. I just met Trey um, and this new Clubhouse app and uh, we're in a couple of rooms together if I, if I recall correctly, but it was, it's been wonderful getting to know you and learning about your podcast and, and your mission with it. And I am excited to be here. We're so happy to have you. And we definitely had the clubhouse app. It's new to me. It's been maybe 30 coming up on 48 hours now and the connections in there just been amazing. Uh, there's it, rooms from anything. If if you guys are listening to this right now, wondering what Clubhouse is, it's an invite only app, and it's only on Apple currently. Uh, going through these testing phases, and these rooms, it's like a big mastermind. You get access to some of these great names: uh, Gary Vanderchuk. Uh, you have Dan Henry. There, like I said, I could just sit here and name so many people. I saw Bob Proctor in there. Uh, I think it was right. last night and he, it had to have been a fresh account. When I looked at the join date, it was yesterday and he only had like 18 followers. Oh so I know he just got invited in there. So, and like I said, there's uh, Grant Cardone, Elena Cardone. There's just so many big names there and they're getting on here and talking to people about just life in general and what's created their business or there's things from, coaching there's the spiritual realm uh different categories and it's just it's amazing i've been able to make complete connections with people and come across people like brooke and so let me hear a little bit about your story of brooke and how you became a sexual empowerment and intimacy coach Okay, well, thank you. Um, and just as just a little bit of a trigger warning, I will be getting into some areas of trauma and abuse. So just so your listeners are a little prepared for that, I like to let people know before it's like right in their face. <laughs> um, so I am 41 years old and I became a sexual empowerment coach um, because I had been in corporate operations for 20 years and I was at the end of a position with a company um, that I had been with for a bit and was trying to figure out what to do next. And I was laying in bed with my boyfriend and we were talking and he was like, well, if you could do one thing in the world all day long, what would it be? Like everyone asked that question. What's the one thing you would do if you could do it all day long? And I was like, 
this, I would be connective. I would be intimate. I would be like helping people. And he was going through some stuff. And so we were helping him with some things that he was working on. And I was like, this is what I would do all day long. Like, this is where I take my biggest joy and have the most impact is helping people have healing and, and find love for themselves and feel love in the world around them. And so he was like, okay, well then do that. And I was like, how do you monetize intimacy? Like, how do you make money off of sex? Not the way that I want to. And he was like, well, <laughs> maybe we should look into that further. And what it came down to for me was that when I, um, when I was seven, my mom had, dad had gotten divorced when I was six and she got remarried when I was about seven, seven and a half. And at the time, um, she married a man who was not a good man, and he uh, started molesting and raping me from the age of seven until I was about 17. And um, that set in motion for me a mindset and a belief about who I was and what I deserved and what I was worth that stayed with me for most of my life. Um, it, it was not a good way to grow up and it made me believe that I was the problem and I carried a lot of shame and a lot of trauma from that experience and um, it was a mindset I didn't even know that I was carrying with me and so I moved out of my house when I was 17. I um, dropped out of high school and got married and then got divorced really quickly um, because it wasn't a good relationship. And so then I went to college. And by the time that I was 26, I had been married and divorced three times and all of them to people and in relationships that became very toxic and abusive. And I kept trying to figure out why, like, why is it that I'm ending up in these situations? Why is it only these types of men who are attracted to me? And after my last divorce, I decided to move. I got a job with a company that took me to um, Nebraska, like a thousand miles away from anyone I knew to this tiny little town. And I was like, all right, here I go. I'm gonna start over in this little like Norman Rockwell town and everything's gonna be great. Like nothing bad can happen here. It still had cobblestone streets. There was only one stoplight. Like there's like, there's no way anything bad can happen here. So I moved there and I started dating one of the only other single guys in town, he was a mortician and we actually were very good friends and had a really good relationship. Um, but then ended up getting transferred back out to Utah where I currently live with the company that I worked for. And when I got back here, um, we had this like tentative plan to stay together, but he wanted to stay out there. And so we broke up and I went out to this bar and um, went to a house party from a guy that I had met out at the bar with all of my friends. And when I got there, um, it wasn't a house party and it was just him. And he assaulted and raped me at this party. And when, it, when he was done and was over, he walked me out to my car and he was like, well, now you're mine. Like now that I've had you. And so I got in my car and I drove across the street and parked at the elementary school and was just crying. I didn't know what to do. I didn't understand how after trying for thinking that I had reprogrammed myself and my life to be something different, how this was still happening, how I was still ending up in the same cycle and caught in the same energy. And I called one of the few people whose numbers I like knew would answer. It was, it was like two in the morning and it was a 
colleague of mine and a former boss of mine and we'd become very good friends we'd worked together for like 15 years and I called him up and I was like Doug what do I do what do I do in this situation I don't want to go to the police I had just started meeting or met this other guy and was trying to date him and like if he knows that this happens he's not going to understand he's going to think I went to this house party and cheat on him and I don't want and he just stopped me in the middle of all of my explanations and the dismissing the responsibility and he said he said Brookie you have a choice you can either continue to be the victim of your life or you can take control what is it that you're going to do Hey guys, I just want to jump in here and talk to you about today's sponsor. Today's sponsor for this episode is GI Resupply. I was fortunate enough to talk to the person that has actually put this whole program together. And what GI Resupply does is by donations or people that like yourself that sign up for subscriptions, they actually will set up a care package and send it to our troops that are overseas fighting for our freedoms. So they take out all the guesswork. You can actually head over to their website and look at the different packages they have, and you can send a one-time package. You can sign up for a subscription where uh, I think it was like six and six months and one year. But check them out. Go to giresupply.com and help them support the service members that are fighting for our freedoms. And in that moment, it was the first time that I realized that I had a choice, that I could determine what happened next instead of being at the hands of whatever was happening around me. And so I made the decision and I called the cops and we did the rape kit and the guy ended up pleading guilty and went to jail. And that was the moment at which I realized that even though the abuse and the rape and these different things were not my doing, I had the power to change my life. And I had the power to change the energy and the cycles with which I was recreating and the belief that I had about myself. And for as long as I believed that I deserved to be treated that way, it was going to continue happening. And when I realized that I could demand more from life, that I could expect more and that I could create better and different outcomes for my life, it wasn't gonna happen. And so as soon as I made that decision, I went to therapy and I found a great mentor and I started really working on myself and everything started to change. And as I went through therapy and through all these group things, um, I realized the one thing that no one would talk about was how do you re-engage in intimacy? How do you, like you can make the mental changes and you can change what you expect from relationships, but our bodies are trained to do things. That's why we practice the piano. That's why we go to practice for, for basketball or sports, or we continue to draw art over and over and over because we develop skills based off of frequency. And so since all of my sexual experiences have been traumatic, when I re-engaged in sexuality, it created more trauma. And I didn't understand like, oh, here I am, I'm feeling really good, I'm doing these great things. And then I re-engage with a partner 
or with myself or even just go to trying to go to a space of loving myself and it would just recreate trauma and bring up all of these negative dark thoughts and so I asked my my mentor I said how do I change this it was like and what are the I'm sorry to cut in oh you're great what is those dark thoughts that you were having so for me personally I use so because the belief that I was bad belief that I was worthless that I deserved to be hurt was so strong and so embedded in me I would use sexuality like sexual experiences with other people and masturbation and these different things as a way of inflicting self-pain and um, a way of self-punishing by by reliving dark things that had happened to me reinforcing the belief that I didn't deserve better and um, that was the darkest space that I would go to. I would start to feel good about myself or something good would be going on in my life, or I'd just be happy with a partner and, and we would make love and it would turn into darkness and pain and reliving the trauma and believing I'm not good and I am bad and I deserve to be treated poorly. And so I had to get to a place to where I changed that. And I, I created something different for me. And a lot of people actually use sexuality that way. And it may not come from years of sexual trauma. It may come from being bullied at school, or it may come from having parents who divorced and, or were abusive verbally, or you have had other types of experiences that reinforce negative beliefs about ourselves. And the thing that I came to realize is that our source of creation, our, the place in our body with which creativity and love start is the same source of sexual energy as it is creative energy. And when we carry shame or trauma in our self-identity, whether that's sexually or otherwise, it all stems from the same place. So if we see ourselves shamefully, we're going to recreate that everything that we do, the way that we create relationships, the way that we create love, the way that we create art or music or whatever it is, when we go to a space of connection and creativity, if we feel shamefully about ourselves, we are going to carry that in to all of the other things that we do. So even though my trauma was sexual, when it came to my relationship with finances, I didn't feel good enough when it came to my relationship with work and promotions and asking for a raise or to be recognized, I didn't feel good enough. When it came to having healthy relationships with a partner, I sure as hell didn't know how to do that because <laughs> um, I'd never seen it. I had never experienced it. And so my brain did what it knew. It did what it was trained to do. And it gave me the, the output that I had trained it with input. And so, when it came to figuring that out and restructuring it, what it meant was I had to go back through and replace the negative experiences with positive ones. I had to train my brain to physically have a different reaction to sexuality, a different reaction to love, a different reaction to creation than what it had known for 35 years. And so, it took a lot of work and it takes a lot of self-love both emotionally and physically you have to like if you've learned to dribble a ball in basketball the wrong way 
you have to physically retrain your body and your muscle memory to do it a new way. And so when people have a shameful relationship with masturbation, you have to change that physically by having positive experiences, having positive experiences with yourself and positive experiences with a partner. And when you can change those things and make it beautiful and loving and connective, it makes you more connected to God. It makes you more connected to your partner. It makes you more connected to yourself and to everything else around you. So you literally transform your relationship with the world and the way that you see yourself by replacing those negative experiences with positive ones. What you do is so important. Is it too loud? Yeah, I'm getting feedback. Um, what you do is so important. And what I mean by that is you've been through the trenches and I feel deep sadness within myself that that is happening. And it's so important that you're here today to share this message. Thank you. And I am saying that because I was in law enforcement for the military and I would have to respond as an investigator to deal with situations similar to what you're speaking of. And some of the first actions that people want to do, and I'm thankful that you did not do that, was go and clean yourself up. Yeah. Had you gone and cleaned yourself up, there's that, that test kit, that rape kit, that may not have been able to actually convict the individual. Right. So by you sitting here talking about this and us having this conversation right now, hopefully we can bring awareness also into maybe somebody else out there Hopefully they have not been in that situation, but if they ever do find themselves in that situation, that one, they know exactly what to do. And the yeah. first step was to, to reach out for help. And yeah. the second step was to make sure that you step up and you took charge of your life. Because if you had not, because from, you said, seven years old to 17, when you moved out, that was 10 years of the constant. Right stuff that you had to deal with. And that's very traumatizing. Yeah. And on a neuro uh, connectivity level within the brain set or in the mindset, when things happen more and more, it becomes harder and harder to change because that pathway between uh, the electrical connections gets stronger and stronger. Yeah. So when somebody just wants to stop it and say, well, I can't get over this. It's because it takes time. You had 10 years that you had to sit there and rewire your brain to even get past that first tra traumatic experience. Yeah, it's really interesting because when, like, when you look at my life, it's like, all right, so I was, I was abused horrifically from the ages seven to 17. And then by the time I was 19, I was married. And then I was divorced and then married and divorced and married and divorced between the ages of 19 and 27. And then I was raped at 29. And so I had years, like decades of abuse to, to go through. And it's like, okay, well, I've made the decision. Now I'm gonna move on. And, and the thing that you were saying about the mind is that it's, it's mental and it's physiological. The way that our brains come together, we have all those caverns. And when you experience trauma, it goes a little bit deeper. And every time you re-experience it, the brain goes into the survival technique of here's what I did the first time 
and it kept me safe. So I'm going to do that again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again and again and again and again. And it's like erosion. Your brain is like, yep, that worked. I'm going to dig a little deeper and go deeper and deeper and deeper. And so to change that, and that's where the repetition and the practice comes in. And people are like, oh, I don't want to be sexual. I don't want to masturbate. I don't want to do these things. And it's like, I understand the stigma around it, but to heal your brain, to give it the ability to be with a loving partner and have your reaction be something different than trauma, you have to teach it. You have to show it how to do that. And not just once, not just have one good positive experience, although that's beautiful and I hope everyone can have that, but to reinforce it with, with positive experiences to physiologically change your brain, to change the way your neurons are connecting and give it a different physical and emotional pathway to have a better experience, to have it be something that is beautiful and connective and empowering because our sexuality is a gift. It is, it is a place to create love. It is a place to have connection to, to ourselves and to God and to the universe and to everyone around us. It creates connection and love. And so that is something that should be ours to cherish and protect and have it be this beautiful sacred space for ourselves. But if you don't teach it how to be that way, it doesn't have a chance. And while you were sitting there writing, and that's such valid points. And what I was very curious about is what are some steps that you were able to actually feel the, the sense of connection again? So you, you talked about working on yourself, right? And I understand yeah. that, you know, personal development is very big in anybody that does or has dealt with trauma. But in regards to working within yourself, and then was it a, a mindset thing when you were in bed with another individual that, because what I'm trying to get at, like men are typically um, like a physical, a, a sight and women are more of an emotional right. um, feeling. So when you have all those negative emotions, so for you, like, can you walk myself and some of these listeners through like, how did you actually just a couple steps figure out yeah. what you had to do to do that? So um, in figuring it out, I was a musician um, before I went into corporate operations. And so I knew muscle memory. I knew what it meant to practice and develop the skill. And so as I was talking to my, my therapist and understanding the mind and I'm a reader, I'm a studier. So like last year I read over a hundred books and I'm just constantly like devout. This is why like Clubhouse is so addictive because it's just like constant, like edifying information. Um, but I had to recognize first that it, it wasn't my fault or responsibility that the cycles in my life had been created the way that they were. But I also was able to accept that I was the only person who could change it. So even though it was not my fault that I was molested and raped, and it was not my fault that my husbands were mean and abusive, and it was not my fault that I was raped as an adult, and it is no one's fault that those things happen, I still 
had the ability to change myself, change my vibrations, change what I allowed and accepted into my life. Now I could still be hit by a car and that wouldn't be my fault. I could still have someone try to attack me and that wouldn't be my fault, but I am no longer at risk of carrying the shame of that if it were to happen. So please no one misunderstand that I'm like, if something happens to you, I am not saying that you are in charge of that. I'm just saying that the next steps are up to you and that you have the power inside of you to make your life beautiful. And so for me, when it came to being with a partner, like during all of this, um, while I was still in trial for, for the rape, I met my daughter's father. And he and I were together for a very long time and we had my daughter together and, he, and we aren't together now, but um, we had a really beautiful relationship and it was up to me to accept and make it different than what it had been before. Does that make sense? And so Absolutely. as I was going through this reprogramming process of trying to figure out how do I do this differently? How do I love myself and therefore allow myself to be loved by someone else? And there's a, there's a four-step process for self-compassion that I use constantly, <laughs> like all the time. It allows me to give myself grace. It allows me to be kind when I do things in ways that I would otherwise wish I hadn't. <laughs> like we all do things in, in like old patterns and old things. And I still get my feelings hurt over stuff that I wish that I didn't. And I can still feel jealous or insecure. And, and in those moments, instead of being shameful and being harsh to myself, I say, that's okay. I'm human. Like I get to give myself grace for this and I get to learn from it what I'm supposed to be learning instead of bottling it up and getting angry and oppressing it and having that emotion stay inside of my body. Instead, I use these four steps for self-compassion to let it flow through me, to feel it and experience it and let it move on into something new. And so it's a, an anagram for RAIN and the four letters stand for recognize, accept, investigate, and nurture. And it's like a 90 second process when you're in the middle of an emotion, but you can obviously go deeper with it later and ex explore it even more. But I would love to do that. Go through that with you. I would, I would love for you to repeat that so people can pick that up because it's yeah. important of what you're saying. So I'm gonna go through the steps with you right now. So like just earlier today, right? I am also um, a highly functioning adult with Asperger's. And so I can get overwhelmed very quickly by emotions when they come up. And so I have to use these steps constantly. And I was, I was in this group on Clubhouse and there are all these very high influential people and they were connecting and they're responding to each other and sending each other DMs and doing all these things. And I get very overwhelmed by that. It, it floods my my mind and I disconnect. And so this afternoon I was listening to this group and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just wrong. Like I just, it's too much. It overwhelms me. Maybe I shouldn't be a coach. Maybe I shouldn't be in, like, I should just quit. I should just give up and just stop crying. And I knew that wasn't what I actually felt and wanted for my life. And so I went through the steps and the first step is recognize. So I had to first recognize here's this emotion that is coming up in me. I feel inadequate. So I recognized what it was and I didn't judge it. I didn't shame it. I didn't say, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. That's horrible. I just said, oh, I'm feeling inadequate. I'm feeling like I'm not enough. 
And then you accept it. The A stands for accept. And what that means is you accept it as it is. It is not good. It's not bad. It's not limiting. It's not prosperous. It just is. This is how I'm feeling. And I accept that. Accept that I'm feeling that way. I accept that I am not the only person who's ever felt this way. I accept that this makes me part of the human whole and a greater collective. And it connects me to the world around me because everyone in the world has these feelings at some point. And that means that I'm not broken. I'm not damaged. There's nothing wrong with me. I just am. So I recognized it. I accepted it. Now you breathe into it and you accept and you feel it and you breathe it out. Let the emotion go. And after you've done that, after you've done those two things and you can like breathe in and breathe out and feel calm again in your body, then the I stands for investigate. And that is when you can start to decide how you feel about what you're feeling. We call it the meta emotions. The meta emotions are how you feel about what you're feeling. And that's where you can decide, is this something I want? Do I want to feel this way? You still don't judge it. You don't shame it. You don't tell yourself you're horrible and garbage. You don't do that stuff. You just go, hmm, apparently I still have some work to do there. Apparently I still feel like maybe I'm not as of the value that I actually am. So maybe I need to go deeper into that and do some more meditation on that and do a little bit of a bigger practice on why I'm still carrying that false belief with me. But you're not shaming yourself. You're not judging yourself. You're, that's where you get to investigate it and say, what happened to make me feel that way? Why is that still affecting my life? Is this something that I want to feel in the future? And that's the most important question. Is this how I want to react in the future? And if it's not, then great. Now you have a plan. Now you have a path forward. You have a, a plan of action. And if it is, then that's great too. <laughs> then you know that this is the reaction you want to be having. And so after you figured those things out in the investigation stage, the N stands for nurture. And that's when you're just really, really, really effing nice to yourself. I'm so grateful that I can recognize that this is what I'm feeling. I'm so grateful that I come through the experiences that I came through and that now I'm in a space where I get to have emotions and not be doomed by them. Now I get to love myself and be kind to myself and give myself gratitude for making it this far and know that the next steps, it's gonna be different and that I'm gonna keep trying. And, and so those four steps, you can, like I said, you can go really deep on them, but in the moment you breathe in deep, you feel it, you accept it, you allow it to pass through your body so it doesn't get stuck in you. You figure out, is this what I want for the future? Yes or no? And then you go, cool, thank you. Thank you for being alive. Thank you for being here. And then you move on. And that was how I learned to reprogram my sexuality. That's how I learned to have good experiences instead of bad. If I started going to a dark place, I could feel it, accept it, decide if that's what I wanted in the future, and then be kind to myself. It's not my fault I'm here. So I'm gonna take more steps to change it. That is like a mic drop. <laughs> Um, with the, the rain, the four step process, you, you said it was like the, the rain process and mm -hmm. that is huge. And I really do appreciate you sharing that with everybody. And I could just be happy ending it right <laughs> now, but I do have some questions. I definitely want to pull this in because uh, 
we we were talking about the the trauma aspect which is very very important but when we we look at everything as a whole i would like to ask you as a coach as an intimacy coach what are some things that you saw um that people have struggled with then yeah so i would say the biggest thing that i work with people on day to day is shame they carry shame, they carry responsibility, they judge themselves for things that have happened around them. Um, and they allow it to push them into usually one of two personality types. Um, one is called parent and one is called child. And I'm actually working on new names for those because they give it a connotation just because of the name itself, which I don't like, but the parent personality type um, is very self-sacrificing and believes that they're not enough. So they give everything for everyone else because they don't see value in themselves. And the child personality type um, is fear-based of that they're going to be abandoned or rejected. And so they're constantly trying to control what everyone is seeing and control what everyone is doing so that everyone will like them. And so the two kind of look like real parents, right? If a kid's having a, a tantrum, the parents come in and go, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me help you feel better. And the kid goes, I'm just mad. Ah! And, and that's what our fears lead us. Either I'm not enough or the fear of I'm going to be rejected. And those two things influence the way that we interact with the rest of the world. And so helping people to be able to go, to let go of those fears. And like the parent believes you're okay, but I'm not okay. You're good and I'm bad. And the child believes Everyone else is trying to do everything wrong, but I'm good and I know what to do. So I'm gonna make them see it my way. But in the middle is what we call the adult personality type. And the adult personality type believes that I'm okay and you're okay. We both have value, we both have worth and we will find a solution together. And so helping people to let go of shame, to move through trauma, to go back and revisit it as their whole beautiful person that they are now instead of the person who was hurt from the trauma and see themselves as a guide to bring them through the trauma and look back on it and say, well, but look what I learned and look that I'm safe now and look at the opportunities that I have now. So when we go back to trauma and we give it new meaning and we repurpose it into something for ourselves that is beautiful and strong and edifying, um, then it changes the trauma and it takes the power away from it and it removes shame from the experience and allows us to live an adult instead of living in fear on either side of that. Wow. One, well, I got just a couple more questions. We talked about the struggles that you've, you've seen with individuals mm -hmm. and what are some successes? I mean, it, would you say it's pretty self-explanatory? Like, yay. I mean, it seems like, but it's, it's unreal the change that can happen for people. I started working with a woman um, and she was like, my marriage is over. I have given up. Like I won't even talk to him about the future in any realm. Like he wants to talk about putting in a sprinkler system this coming summer and that's too far in the future. Like I'm not planning a life with him. We are over. And she worked with me for three months and then I worked with her and her husband for three months. And at the end of it, she said, if you had told me where my marriage would be in six months, I would not have worked with you 
because I would have believed you were full of shit. <laughs> She's like, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have thought you didn't have any idea what you were doing. It was not possible for us to get to where we are. She's like, we are happy. We are in love. We make love again. We are connected to each other in a way that um, I wouldn't have believed you. And I would have told you you were wrong. And she's like, and the thing about it is, and this is what I get from all of my, my clients is I don't focus on the marriage. It's not about the marriage. It's not about the relationship. It is the internal personal relationship. And so the way that people feel about themselves at the end of it, the way that they can look back and see themselves with real eyes, their whole being, the good and the dark and the, the growth and everything and love themselves fully, that is where the gift comes in. That's huge. You cannot fix a marriage until you fix yourself first. You yeah. have to fix the individual as in like yourself, fixing the individual yourself, me, like I need to be fixed. Then we can focus on the bigger picture because if not, the bigger picture is already screwed up anyways. Yeah. So that's, that's great words of wisdom that you shared. <laughs> Where can people go to find out or connect with you? Uh, on are you on instagram facebook so, yeah. uh websites yeah i'm on instagram facebook um basically everything including clubhouse is brookheim so you can find me at brookheim.com you can find me at brookheim on instagram um if you search my facebook i do have like a public profile of brookheim that I think I created once and have never done anything with, but my personal page has all the information on it. So I'm trying to like revise that and make that more professional, but I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, my website, Clubhouse, um, everything. Twitter is the only one that has a different handle. And on Twitter, I'm at Prudent Views, um, which was a playoff of my daughter's name. And I also thought it was funny because there's nothing prudent about me. So, uh, that's the only one that's different, but you can find me in all those places. I offer um, a free intro session called an uncovery session where I help people kind of see what the blocks are for them and what they're struggling with. And you can uh, sign up for that on my website. Um, it says uncovery session and I do those through Zoom like this or in person if you happen to be in Utah. Um, <laughs> but you can find me in any of those places. I'm on Messenger. I'm more than happy to connect with people and talk with them and answer questions. I have thoroughly enjoyed this, Brooke. It, it's been amazing. And I, I say that because to me, this is my perception, but telling your story to you know a male and maybe it's just me, but I do have a lot of uh, women that do follow me and listen to my podcast, they just link in with me. They, whether it's my, uh, my personality, I don't know, but um, I enjoy it. And I enjoy being able to help everybody. So by you being on this today, I know your message is going to be heard, Thank or you. at least maybe there's just that one person that it will change their life. And if you're not on Clubhouse for everybody that's listening, make sure you jump over there and, and get that invite if you yeah. need it. Make sure you follow Brooke and uh, as and myself. So other than that, is there any last parting words you like to say? Um, the one thing that I want to tell people is just be kind. Be kind to yourself. Love yourself. And as you go through your struggles and you see other people, everyone around us is struggling and seeing each other. Like we see the world the way we see ourselves. So if you see someone in pain, you see someone being mean or unfriendly, recognize that 
it doesn't mean that they have to be a part of your life, but that they are just struggling on their own and give yourself the grace that you would give to other people because you deserve it. Amazing. Well, you guys, thank you, Brooke, for being here. If uh, we'll go ahead and finish this up. So the rest of you or everybody else make the rest of your day the best of your day. for taking the time and listening to this podcast if you're enjoying the forging life podcast i ask you this take a moment and head over and rate this podcast if you're listening to it on itunes spotify or whatever platform you enjoy the most please just take a moment so that way it will help get this episode or episodes into the ears of somebody else And if you would like to join the discussion, make sure you head over to the Facebook page, Forging Life Podcast, and join us there.